Welcome to episode 39 of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host Joshua Fine. What's good, man? Hey, I'm doing good, Phil. Um, it's going to be a great holidays, but I'm glad to be talking about uh, Formula One today with you guys. And our special guest today for the uh, first F1 uh, 2020 roundtable will be the um, creator, host, uh of multiple things, uh, doing this early in the morning, um, making sure that if his, uh, his son, uh, Rex wakes up, he's ready to go. Um, uh, creator of the F1 grid talk podcast, uh, sportlight.com, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, a great man, uh, uh, a fine gentleman, uh, someone who has no filter either, which is probably part of the reason why we are working together. It's proof that Audrey does work uh, because we somehow or another made a connection in terms of our podcast there. Uh, give a warm welcome to uh, my buddy, George Housen. Uh How are you doing, man? I know uh, home, you're feeling good at the new in your new house and um we thank you for making a return visit here on the gsp well thank you very much for that welcome phil it's great to be back and yeah new digs now uh, absolutely loving it glad to be glad to be off for the holidays like uh like josh's as well but glad to be talking about some formula one as well because it's been a it's been a very eventful and uh, unique season like nothing we've seen before very entertaining as well so can't wait to dive into that yeah, 17 races in 24 weeks. The amount of craziness that went on in within that uh, COVID-19, of course, affecting so many uh, in this in our in our world, and it also when it comes to this show, you know, it affected bracing in so many ways. It affected the world champion. Uh, amongst other people and uh it's the reason why the season was supposed to start in australia they went there lewis hamilton uh, who ended up uh many months later going and winning the world championship along with setting other records uh saying that he didn't understand why they were there uh i think it was mclaren team members uh, testing positive for COVID um, and it became an absolute clusterfuck of a situation, which in the end they had to cancel the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, I guess referencing to current di- current time, Formula E, which is supposed to start, uh, was supposed to start a month from now, already canceled their first race in Chile. Um, where blueberries, where the blueberries that um, Ben Stern loves are from, uh, they uh, they had to cancel that race because of uh, COVID. Uh, so it's still a thing, uh, even though certain segments of society don't believe that. Um, that's fine and probably don't listen to the show anyway because... Uh, they live in alternative realities. But in regards to Formula One, you know, they had to wait till July. They had to wait till Austria. And Austria, the first race of the season, 
which is crazy to think in July was you would you would look at it and the way it went wasn't a great day for sure for Lewis Hamilton he knocked Alex Albon off the track and he didn't have a great qualifying all these things but after that race he went and took off and had one of his typical what has become the uh, norm for Lewis Hamilton in regards to his productivity in his uh, second career in a sense, you know, post McLaren career where he has set records, where he has won world championships at a, at a very high clip, uh, before he showed up to uh, to Mercedes, he had one world championship and I think 22 wins ever since. He has become a seven-time world champion now with with 90. Where are we going to get here? I want to go and see. Yeah, 95 wins and he has 98 poles. So, you know, he's he's likely to get to a hundred in both of those categories. He has the most podiums in the history of formula one laps led, you know, all these, all these records that he has, he has. And this year he averaged his average start and average finish were exactly the same of 1.9. Of course, he only ran 16 of the 17 races because he, he tested positive for COVID, which we will talk about later in regards to his replacement and likely teammate here soon enough. Um, I'm an unabashed Lewis uh, Mark. I've probably brought that up over the last 38 episodes in some way, shape or form. But um, I've been a fan from when he from Formula 2 when it was was GP2 when he won the championship, when he did have hair, when he had his first hairline before he got the LeBron James treatment where his hair went back and wasn't a whole lot. And he, his hairline was going to the back of his neck. Now he has what he has with the dreads. Um, I was a fan of that, of him then, and I'm a fan of him now. But I figure I'll throw... To you, Josh, in terms of Lewis Hamilton, you know, seven world championships, another year with double digit wins. It's the sixth year in the last seven that he has double digit wins. And in the one year that he didn't, he had nine. So he had 10 poles. So it's the fifth year out of the last six that he had double digit poles. He had 14 podiums out of 16 races. Um the GOAT status, you know, there, there's definitely an argument, I would say, for he, him being the greatest of his era, but also greatest of all time. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you on that. Um, I think this year he achieved all of the all of that, and I think you can make a, a case that he is the greatest driver in Formula 1 history, and if not, certainly the greatest driver of this era, and He's certainly been able to do a whole lot in the the car the last couple of years since he's joined Mercedes since uh, 2013. And 
I mean, of course, you do have to credit Mercedes uh, for um, their ability to build excellent cars and um, excellent engines. And, you know, they've been the dominant manufacturer in Formula One or constructor in Formula One since they went to the V6 hybrid engines. But, um, you know, I have to give a lot of credit to Lewis because he was able to um, extract everything from the car and and he's just able to... um, continue to win podiums and uh, or get podiums and win a lot of races and um this year you know he got up to 95 wins like you said and now he's won his seventh title and he's able to uh prove that he can um surpass those marks next year and which he probably will and um he's gonna you know um go into triple digits for uh the uh wins column and probably the polls column as well uh, at some point next year, probably early on, and um, I expect him to continue to set new records, and um, it's going to be a very uh, difficult record to break because um, there is going to have to be another driver that will um, be like Lewis Hamilton, and they'll have to hit on the same uh, uh, same type of uh, manufacturer like um, like Mercedes, and and um, they're going to have to have the the same level of success, whoever that will be. So it's going to be a, a tough record to break. So I think on, on that case alone, you could probably say that he's probably the greatest of all time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, for me, it's, it's a tough thing for me to say that he, even though he is my favorite driver and he's one of my favorite drivers ever in my long, you know, fandom as a racing fan, uh, you know, I'm a Senna mark first, and of course Senna, he's he he's somebody that, um, to this day, uh, you know, 26 years ago, 26 years since his passing, he's he still means so much to so many people. And Lewis was a was a, a a Santa guy too, so it it's all kind of it kind of makes sense. Um, he's one of the greatest ever, um, and anyone that wants to say he isn't is full of shit. And um, anyone that wants to say it's just a car, I want you to go and look at his whole entire career at McLaren, basically, and his first year at Mercedes, and tell me how many other people would be able to do what they were doing, what he did with that. And then tell me what the difference is between what Lewis is doing and what Michael Schumacher did for five years in a row at Ferrari. Once everything came together, it's okay because Michael Schumacher is some white guy and he's somewhat of robotic and Lewis Hamilton has a personality. He's black. I mean, that's my thing. I, the, the people that they'd say it's the same thing with the people that hate Bubba Wallace, but then Bubba Wallace, I, I, I'll qualify this. Bubba doesn't have the results in the cup series that people give him the PR and all that, whatever. I get it. He's one another forms of one in lower series. He has a personality. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's outspoken, but when you consider what he's gone through, it's the same way as Willie T did. People hated Willie T. Now people look at Willie T and he's a freaking cultural hero. And, and he's now driving in the SRX next year. I don't know. And, and he, and the point is 
Lewis is doing what I guess Willie T wished he was given that opportunity to, but he wasn't able to. Um, you know, being a cultural icon, being able to go across multiple forms, not just racing, it shows what Lewis Hamilton really means. Him being missing a race in its own right, the two. Theoretically, the two most interesting races of the year didn't involve Lewis Hamilton being in the in the finish, of course. So there you go. People hate it. I love it because the fact is I had to watch Michael Schumacher dominate for years and it made me physically ill. And so people that hate Lewis Hamilton, you can go fuck yourself. Um, I had to deal with it for years. I had to watch Damon Hill meekly go and get run over by Michael Schumacher. I had to run, watch Jacques Villeneuve try to get run over by Michael Schumacher. You know, Juan Pablo Montoya sitting there and basically calling Michael Schumacher a a liar at at, uh, Imola, which was hilarious um, because Juan Pablo Montoya doesn't have a filter. And this is the kind of show that will defend Juan Pablo Montoya instead of the inbreds who think that he can't drive because he had a jet dryer. Um, if his crew chief wasn't a fucking retard, he wouldn't have. But um, that's beside the point. I'm going off on tangents. So it's probably it's one of those weeks you think that it isn't Christmas the way I'm feeling right now. I, I think I just need to have um, this is my therapy here. So you're hearing it live. Um, but I'm going to throw to you, George. Uh, you know, in terms of. British racing drivers, uh, I mean, Lewis is or was already one of the greatest British racing drivers, you know, English, race, whatever. How The point is right now, the way things are, the only, th- only comparison there is to Lewis Hamilton right now is Jim Clark. There's nobody else. Not, not. Sir Jackie Stewart, who spends a lot of time saying that Lewis Hamilton isn't that good. It's not Nigel Mansell or, you know, insert name here. There's only one comparison here. And it and when you consider the way they went about business and what their connections with their team, I think the comparison here is with the late, great Jim Clark in his greatness and his ability to take a race car and do things with it that nobody else can being being able to do something that his own teammate over many years minus one year where you know we could that's a separate discussion had things go on for his favor could do um I mean, you've talked about on the Grid Talk podcast, talked about on Sportlight.com. I mean, Lewis Hamilton, I think he's, he, he's a, to me, he's the greatest British racing driver ever. But I, you're, you're a better um, judge. You're there. You have a vast knowledge of, you know, BTCC, other sports car racing, whatever. Um Give me your thoughts on what Lewis did this year. Another um, absolute, uh, you know, clinical, clinical is the word I would think for the way he went about business before, of course, COVID kind of uh, derailed his year. 
Yeah, I mean, you're giving me a very easy question there. Obviously, here's Hamilton, the greatest British driver of all time. He's, def- he's definitely up there. Without a doubt, he's absolutely up there. Um, Jim Clark is the easiest one to compare him to. Because obviously, Jim was unfortunate in that he passed away in the prime of his career. He probably would have got a third title and he would have got more with how good Lotus were. He would have stayed with Lotus, obviously, because of Colin Chapman connection. But I think... I think even if Jimmy kept going, he would have struggled to get seven titles. But then again, it was a different era. Um, another guy I kind of put into the ring when it comes to the greatest British, greatest British racing drivers, you know, is Sir Jackie Stewart. But I think you are right in that he's maybe a little below that. I think he's not quite, I think he wasn't quite on Clark's level. He did compete against Clark directly. Um, same with Graham Hill, another great driver. The only man to win the triple crown for now. Maybe one, one maybe if one Montoya will do it one day. Um, but yeah, I think Hamilton's definitely is definitely up there. I mean, you were mentioning before about how people don't like Lewis because he's black, and I, I feel I feel like this is a good opportunity to kind of talk about that because that it's a similar thing here in the UK as well. You know, it's there are there are definite sections of the press and the and the public as a whole that don't like Lewis and. It's like I was not quite old enough to remember Nigel Mansell, but he was always known as our Nigel. You know, he was our competitor, and he was a great driver. He was a great champion, but not on the level of Lewis. But everybody seemed to like him. Same with Damon Hill. Same with Jensen Button. Again, great drivers, but they were always they were that, they were the media darlings. Everybody loved them. But with Hamilton, because he just doesn't fit that mold that a lot of the press are expecting of him with his outspokenness, with his race, quite frankly, as well. They don't seem to get on with him as much. And I, I just think it sucks. I think it's horrible because you, you look at the guy, seven world titles, he's going to get more probably. Almost 100 wins, almost 100 poles. You know, it, there's nothing stopping him. Nobody, if you take all the drivers other than Lewis Hamilton and combine their wins in the V6 turbo era since 2014, it doesn't match Lewis Hamilton. He's won more than half the races since 2014. That's how good he's been. Yeah, he's had the best car, but it's been run close sometimes with Ferrari. You know, it's not it's not been an easy ride. And like you mentioned as well, Sakia. You know how how that race went. How badly that race went without him. How clueless Mercedes were with their with their pit stops. They were like headless chickens running around the place. You know, that shows that it's not all about the car. It's, it's the whole package, how he organises the team, how he gets them to perform at the best. And I can't wait to see more from the guy. I, I, was, I was never a, ma- a massive Hamilton fan, but in the last few years, I've become a, a big Hamilton fan, to be honest with you. You can't not be just seeing how good he's done, you know, and he's going to keep continuing, you know. Any, any teammate has struggled to match him. Bottas has got a very hard job. He's probably not quite performed at the level we want him to. It'd be interesting to see how George Russell would get on, but he wouldn't be able to match Hamilton. There's only one or two other drivers that would be able to match Hamilton, maybe Leclerc, maybe Verstappen, but I doubt we'll ever see that. Yeah, I don't think that Max wants that, and I also don't think that Red Bull is going to allow it because if they lose Max Verstappen... It basically cancels out everything that about what they are. I mean, they've already kind of deviated off their track with 
one of the drivers that we're going to spend some time on here. Um, I mean, for me, I think about Formula One in my in the vortex of my life. I mean, I'm older than both you guys, and I was born in the middle of the 80s, and that was a time of a lot of transition in Formula One, turbo era back then, too. Um, Alan Prost became a thing then, uh, started winning world championships. Then, you know, Williams kind of took hold. McLaren and Williams were the teams. And, you know, Nigel Mansell winning a lot of races, figure out a way to lose a championship. Uh, Nelson Piquet, who's another great Brazilian, came along. And then Senna, of course, through that time, built his built his uh, credentials and everything, won championships, the MP44, all of that. And you go through all that and all the time. And then once I was watching, it was, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see Senna at his best, of course, but he kind of, I did, you know, you think about the 93 European Grand Prix at Donington, you think about Ma, uh, Monaco, uh, winning Brazil again for the second time. If he had a decent engine, if he had a grenade for an engine, he probably could have won more than five races. And he won five races in a car that was, at best, the third best car on the grid. That's a, you know, that tells you how good of a driver he was. Um, of course, when you're getting paid $16 million to do it, it I, I don't think it hurts. But, um, or a million dollars a race since that was his contract. But you go and think about it back then and the way formula one was, and then this Schumacher guy would at that point only had two wins going into the 1994 season, went and took off and won 89 more races and seven world championships and all the things that went on in between that to where he is now, where now his son of course will be running in formula one next year. Uh, Marinello, they're going to have a segment of the Ferrari factory there for Haas. Um, but Michael Schumacher, as we know, it theoretically doesn't exist because we've never heard from him. We don't know what he's, what's the, where he is um, in his health or his, his condition um, because he didn't crash, he didn't. He didn't crash in a race car and die or get hurt. He had an injury based on skiing. You know, it's it's sad to say, you know, like you think about like at a time where Alex Zanardi had a horrendous accident, you know, biking and got ran it. Now he's do he's having he's recovering and he's talking and he's having all these things. Um you know, you think about it in the Formula One context of Alex Zanardi's career, and it wasn't great, but of how much he meant to us as American uh, racing fans when he was here in kart, and how cool he was, and how just an amazing person he is. All these connections, it's it's crazy. I, I could talk about it. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, it's amazing. Um, 
you know, I'm so glad for Alex Zanardi and his, for his wife and his son and for all of them that he's able to recover again. Um, I wish I had one one hundredth of his heart and his ability and his energy because um, it speaks to being great. And Lewis Hamilton is great. And the people that want to deny it are one of two people. They're either completely oblivious to, to reality or, you know, they just flat out are racist. And it's, it's, it's easier to cop to being, and people don't want to do it. It's easier to cop to being a racist and, and, and just say it and be straight out with it than it is to go and deny it and do all this energy and kind of do this this half-assed, you know, happenstance bullshit that people do, which is like a Republican um, stronghold. Uh, but, and even Democrats, because they, they're so weak. But um, ad- if you can't admit that somebody's good or you're going to go and try to figure out you're going to spend your whole entire time putting holes, picking holes in um, somebody's greatness. There's there's plenty of evidence to show that Lewis Hamilton was great before everything came together. Sebastian Vettel had basically what Lewis had. Then once he lost it, He's an average guy. Once I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do in the Aston Martin, uh, the Pink Panther. It's going to be one of the ugliest cars that's ever happened because it's going to be pink and green. Uh, but I'm curious to see with him and Stroll how that's going to be. Uh, honestly, uh, I don't believe it's going to go very far. I think they're going to drop down the. Uh, points table because I don't think that Sebastian Vell has it anymore. Um, he's a great man. He's a four-time world champion. He's a third winningest driver in Formula One history. Doesn't have it anymore. Um, and I think that you know, it's, I'm not trying to slag him because I'm giving. I'm just taking it based on what he's been doing since he crashed at Germany in 2018. That's what I'm basing this on. Before that wreck, he could have beat Lewis Hamilton for the World Championship in 2018. He had finished second in World Championship in 2017, 2018. He was leading the World Championship. He gave away that race. And ever since then, he is an average racing driver. And fundamentally, that's fine. He's already got enough hardware and everything to go and justify it. It's fine. But you're going to go and the people are going to slag Lewis Hamilton for winning all these races and being in the right place at the right time. What about what about Sebastian Vettel? He had everything going in his favor at Red Bull for four years in a row. Two of those years, Fernando Alonso should have won the world championship. But because of Ferrari, he didn't. 
if he's two world, if Fernando Alonso has two world championships, or, or I mean, or if Sebastian Vettel only has two world championships and Fernando has four, are we in? Well, Fernando Alonso probably wouldn't have done a lot of the more interesting things in his career that he's done recently. I think I'll take what he's done right now and his two world championships and being kind of interesting and running with a GP2 engine. But that's beside the point. I'm going to go and change to Valtteri Botas before we go into Max Verstappen and Red Bull, because that's something to really dive into. Valtteri Botas, he won the opening race of 2020 uh, at uh, the Austrian Grand Prix, but after that, it didn't really... um, go too great for him honestly he's won nine grand prix uh 2018 he he had a bad year but he's finished otherwise in his um four years at mercedes he's finished third second and second so theoretically he has followed through on his um on what he needs to do as the second driver. He's helped them win the Constructors' Championship all four years. Um, George, I'm going to throw to you first. When it comes to whatever version of Valtteri we have right now, I know there's other ladies that are on involved with the grid talk, and they have their own thing going to kind of defend them or may not defend them. But where are we at with Valtteri? Are is I mean, are we at the end here? Is twenty is he driving twenty twenty one knowing that he's probably done in Formula One, or he may have an option, but it's going to be driving in the back, kind of like Kimi Raikkonen is. Is it so fun? Is it so fun? I I think with Bottas, I think. Like I mentioned before, it's very difficult for him because he's going up against Lewis Hamilton. And that was kind of my argument with him. Like you mentioned, he does does do the job. He has finished up there near the top of the standings almost every year he's been with Mercedes. He's done what he was asked to do. He's just not challenged Hamilton across an entire season. But I think when George Russell went into the other Mercedes and we had a direct comparison between the two, it was so close in qualifying between them. It was like less than a tenth of a second separated them. And then Russell overtook him at the start of the race and pulled clear. And if it wasn't for the safety car and the mistakes and the pit stops, Russell would have absolutely walked away with that race, just like Lewis Hamilton normally does. So I feel like that, if that's not put the nail in his Mercedes coffin, I don't know what will. I think to have any chance of keeping that seat for 2022, he has to challenge Hamilton across the entire season and even then it, it probably won't be enough Bottas is what he's I think he's he's over 30 years old now it's not old by any stretch but he's not going to improve Russell's a young kid he's what, 22 23 he's the up-and-coming kid it'd be really good to see him and Hamilton duke it out in the same car I still think Hamilton will come, come out on top but you never know Russell's a hell of a talent and then you have to look at if Bottas leaves Mercedes where's it where's he going to go he's not going to be a test driver for Mercedes he might end up going back to Williams 
but they're looking at only pay drivers for the most part, so that'd be tough. Where else would he go? I don't know. Somewhere further down the grid. I, I can't see him going too far up. He's not going to go to Red Bull. He's not going to go to McLaren. He's not going to go to Ferrari. He's not going to go to Alpine. Well, actually, no, maybe that's an idea. Maybe he could have Alpine instead of uh, Alon- if, if Alonso leaves the team. <laughs> Who knows there? Because they always, they always ignore their driver academy. So maybe he could go there, but I personally doubt it. I think he'd probably leave the sport and maybe go race an IndyCar, something like that. Maybe he'll go rallying. Everybody always talks about his rally driving skills, so maybe he'll go there. But, yeah, I think, I think psychologically it's going to be very, very difficult for him next year. Because he knows that he has to perform, or he's gone from Mercedes. Maybe gone out of the sport too. Yeah, I think the rallying thing is probably likely. I, it's a good point by you, and that's I don't get why Kimi Raikkonen doesn't do that. But I guess there's more money in it here in Formula One. Um, I think he doesn't that, go rallying because he wasn't very good at it. Well. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Hyundai or Toyota or Malcolm Wilson would pay him to go and wreck their cars every race. I, I, I think it would be good PR uh, because the World Rally Championship is basically DOA uh, right now. And when you consider you have Ogier, who's one of the greatest ever. And there's no PR going on with that. It's crazy. He's won for three manufacturers in that championship. Um, it's sad, honestly, because the World Rally Championship is unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, Raikkonen sucked, whatever. It is. It, it, he can blame it on vodka. He can blame it on rum, whatever he was drinking the pre- previous night. He wasn't reading the notes. He, he he knew what he was doing. He crashed into a tree. That's that's what it is. That's that's kind of how he rolls. But when he's on a pavement, when he's on a circuit, that's kind of how how he is. And um, I mean, that's why he's willing to uh, go and drive around tailback, as Rusty Wallace would like to say. Uh, but I'll throw to you, Josh. Um, Valtteri Bottas, I mean, George brought up the point with um, Valtteri and George Russell at the Secure Grand Prix, which was an absolutely epic race because of all the nonsense that went on. Um, I mean, honestly, people want to, I mean, Nico Rosberg, I, I, I fucking can't stand Nico Rosberg, but he's no worse than what Nico Rosberg is. And I guess if he was German, I guess if Valtteri Bottas was German, we wouldn't be having this conversation because it's Mercedes. But I don't, I I really don't under, on the one hand, I get it because of some of the races he has and the poor starts and, you know, the things that you would say, oh man, there's no reason why Valtteri Bottas shouldn't be able to come through. But he has, you know, nine wins, and based on I'm I'm just looking at this six five eleven thirteen. So he had two. Okay, so he had two versus one. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know that. But he had eleven wins to 
you know, Botas is nine in like a three-year period. I didn't even know that he won more races in 2013. That's I, I just learned something live on 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 the GSP, and and I and I'm no fan of of freaking Nico Rosberg. I didn't even know that. But getting back to the point, when it comes to Valtteri Botas, his job to go and perform for Mercedes, he does that to a point. Uh, but what is I guess what is the end game here? What where is he going to go? Can he go and perform in a 23 race calendar as they have it right now for um 2021? Can he go and and sell out like Nico did and somehow or another hold hold his junk up there and and really go and 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 challenge Lewis? for world championship in 2021 well if he's gonna sell out he's gonna have to show us something that he's never done before and and that's win more than four races in a season uh he's gotta at least do that and he's gonna have to match lewis hamilton in the wins column and probably in the podiums column as well um and and uh, also probably win more than five poles um, it just seems like to me, based on his career at uh, Mercedes, it just seems like Valtteri Bottas is the type of driver that can win um, two to three races in a year. And he can certainly get a good number of podiums, you know, between like 13, you know, 16, um, 15 podiums. That's how many podiums he's had in the years he's been um, uh, each season at uh, Mercedes. But he, he's a solid driver for the most part and uh, somewhat of a you know okay teammate to Lewis Hamilton. He um, doesn't really push Lewis Hamilton, but he's not also dragging Mercedes uh, by any means. You know, he does what he has to do. Um, but for the most part, you know he's not really uh, challenging Lewis Hamilton. And it'd be interesting to see if uh, he, he can do that, but uh, I don't foresee it happening. I'm sure he'll have a handful of wins next year like he usually does uh he'll certainly be uh, have a majority of the podiums on the season um kind of like what he's had in the past but you just don't see uh, him being able to really match lewis hamilton next year and that's i think that's what it's going to take for him to do that is he's going to have to outperform and and i don't think he really has that uh, type of drive like Nico Rosberg did. Because remember, you know, with Nico Rosberg, him and Lewis Hamilton were basically rivals going all the way back to karting when they were uh, children and trying to, um, you know, begin their careers as uh, racers. But uh, for for Botas, you know, he, he does a, a solid job, uh, which is fine. That's, that's his career, but I just don't foresee him uh, going out and actually winning a, a Formula One title with Mercedes, and uh, once next year is up, where he goes, he could, you know, have a solid career at one of the lower level teams like Williams, or maybe even like Haas or something like that. But uh, I think once next year is up, that'll probably be the end of him driving in a, a top tier Formula One car. Yeah, the point of. Alpine with whether Fernando Alonso sticks around, um, that's cure. That that's something that we have to see. Um, I think the Alpine team is going to be 
there might be two seats there available for 2022 and i would venture to say that pierre gasly will be one of those drivers uh, here uh coming along in the, the future because they want to have a french driver that has proven that they can win and they also want to have a french driver that kind of has been put through the ringer um alan prost i think has a i think they put a lot of uh Emphasis on what he wants. Um, I would venture to believe that Alan Prost likes Pierre Gasly. And if that's the case, I think that's where they're going to go. And they're going to set their team up based on Gasly. And then they'll figure out how you're going to go with the second driver. I would think Guan Yu Zhou would be a a good um, uh, pairing there. Um, and it balances out their manufacturer thing trying to get cars sold in china and the whole bit uh but who knows uh the way they do things as george brought up also and i mean all i think valtteri the the thing with valtteri botas i think he has the potential to have a career uh no matter what he he's done what he had to do here in uh, mercedes to a point uh is he as good as you'd say Nico Rosberg? Probably not. Nico Rosberg winning seven straight races to end 15 going into 16 kind of set the tone for the um, 16 season. That was where um, Max Verstappen ended up uh, getting into a Red Bull, winning his first race. And then after that, it kind of from there, went um lewis won was it six out of seven races and it you the things that nico rosberg needed to win that world championship is a separate topic botas probably is josh brought up george brought up it it's not going to happen um verstappen leclerc those are the guys there's nothing wrong with being that next year but I also think that Valtteri Botas, unlike Kimi Raikkonen, might be better suited to loose surface racing, which means he could easily transition into the rally, the WRC, and that might be something that might get the WRC back into um, relevance. OGA needs a rival. He doesn't really have one. Um, Botas wouldn't be a bad a hire by Toyota to go and run WEC and World Rally. You know, they'll balance it out. They'll say, oh, yeah, you know, you can run both WEC. You can be a third driver or something. You could run some rally, kind of have them there, and then he can go and sample both and see what he wants to do. I think that might be his angle uh, to for his future. It's the same way as I think Aston Martin's hiring – Vettel uh, with the notion that he's going to run sports cars. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a bad thing for him. Uh, speaking of Max Verstappen, I, he finished third in the world championship this year. Red Bull was definitely a one-car team in uh, 2020, as they have been for a very long time in general. Um, Josh, uh, I mean, for me, I'm no 
big Max Verstappen guy. I think he's a dick. Um, I think he's a cocksucker, just like his dad. Uh, But, you know, he's been fortunate in the fact that, you know, he comes from money in a sense and he's been able to put himself in the right place at the right time. Uh, He's definitely talented. He reminds me in a lot of ways. He reminds me of Kyle Busch. Um, in terms of his talent and potential, but he hasn't been able to get the right combination. He hasn't been able to get his like engineer and the, the car to be able to do what he needs to do. Um, thoughts on um, Max Verstappen here in 2020. Two wins, 11 podiums, one pole. Of course, dominated the final race of the year at uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, second consecutive uh, third place finish in the world championship, but wasn't his best um, average finish. It was his only his third or fourth best average finish uh, over his career at Red Bull over six or over five years. So it it wasn't his best uh, year. There was a lot of um, uh, issues of finishing races. So, uh, Max Verstappen, your thoughts on uh, his year, couple wins? Yeah, well, for Max Verstappen, I think it was a okay year. He won a couple of races, like you said, uh, and he had only a couple of races where he really led a significant amount of laps, and those were in the races that he won. Um, but on the other hand, he had a lot of uh, mechanical failures or uh, crashes. Uh, he had the first race was out. Um, very early on in the race due to an you know, electrical issue. And then at Monza, they had an engine problem. Emola, they had an issue with their tires. And then, you know, you factor in the Tux- Tuscany Grand Prix and then uh, the oval or the roval at uh, the Secure Grand Prix uh, where he had an- another crash there uh, at the beginning of the race. Um, and it was uh, kind of an uneven season, I guess you could say. Because um, without of those races, I, I think he could have made a solid run at the title potentially, but uh, he just didn't win enough races, I think, overall to really make a uh, stand for that, even if um, he was uh, able to not have those issues. Um, so, I mean, it was an okay season, uh, but I think there was a lot left on the table uh, and more or less probably more of a disappointment and i think you have to kind of put into question um how good red red bull can actually be as a a formula one team and they've proven to win championships in the past but it seems like um they're not quite on the level as uh what ferrari was um in like 2017 2018 when they were really able to challenge mercedes and lewis hamilton and um you know, those years, like you said earlier, like Sebastian Vettel was able to, um, you know, really challenge uh, Lewis Hamilton. And uh, we haven't really seen that same uh, type of performance uh, from Red Bull overall. Um, if, I feel like maybe since uh, Daniel Ricciardo left a couple of years ago, they've actually kind of lost a step uh, on their team. Now they have you know, the young Verstappen leading the team now. Um and I think for for Rusopin, you know, he definitely has to maybe 
mature a little bit more um, as a, a driver, and certainly um, I think he can be able to do that, and he does have a lot of talent. But I think also uh, Red Bull really has to step it up and and uh, give him uh, better equipment, and I think maybe even a uh, better strategy as well uh, as they go into next year because um, it, it just wasn't enough to really uh, – you know, challenge even even Botas at all. They they just need to be able to um, do a whole lot better to really um, uh, give competition to Mercedes. Yeah, it's it's something to me that for all the PR that Red Bull gets and you know the uh, Marcos, uh, Jackass, and um, Christian Horner likes likes balls and. Um, you know, the, the things of how Red Bull is in general and how they run through drivers and Alex Albon's probably something we have to separate to another uh, podcast. I wish I could get um, Steph on, but of course she doesn't act like I exist. Like most men, she probably just blows them off. Uh, that's, that's a separate conversation. Uh, but the notion of uh, Max Verstappen and his viability and, I guess, his future in this sport, considering Red Bull doesn't have an engine uh, manufacturer after 2021 right now, uh, the notion, I would think, is because of all the money they have, they'll probably go and buy the engine, they'll badge it, whatever the hell they want to badge it. Uh, and when you have Adrian Newey, you're you're always going to have a good car. Uh, George, I, I want to throw it to you. I mean, he's one of the most talented drivers. I, I mean, he's a douche. Uh, honest to me, he's a douche. Uh, he just doesn't really have a whole great awareness of the world or society um, because he's always been... He's had privilege, and fundamentally, I think that's part of the reason why he is the way he is. And then when you add the fact that Red Bull has basically built the whole entire team around him, and they only make one good car, which has been a problem for many years, um, what is the end game for Max Verstappen at at Red Bull, or is his end game? I mean, that, I guess that's one part, but what is the end game for Max? Is he going, is is Mercedes in his future? Is Ferrari in his future? Is he really going to be a, a teammate to Charles Leclerc? You know, like what, where does this go for Max Verstappen? Unlike his father who really was a bum, Max can win races. He has a potential. He's a douchey guy just like his dad. But where does this really go? For Max Verstappen, it's a, tough, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, the 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 end game for Max Verstappen is to win the world championship. He's won races, you know. He's been really successful in the sport already. He is. I mean, yeah. If, if you don't like him as a person, fair enough. But the guy's speed's un- unbelievable. Like he's incredible. He's like I mentioned. He's one of the few guys I think who could challenge Hamilton for a whole season. But he needs to be more rounded. He needs to be more. Uh, more consistent, more concise. He, he has his off days. He has his angry moments, and obviously in a title battle, that would all come to a head. 
I think he'd basically lose his shit for, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The end game for Verstappen is to win a title, and obviously Red Bull have a big problem in the need to get an engine for 2022. I think I think you're right. I think they probably will rebadge the Honda engine. Mercedes obviously aren't going to give them an engine. Red Bull won't want a Ferrari engine. They probably won't want a Renault engine. They definitely won't want a Renault engine after the last time they've partnered up. So, yeah, they'll probably rebadge the Honda engine and we'll see how they get on with that because they've never done their own engine before. It'll be uh, interesting to see how how they can keep up with the development race because instead of just designing a car, they'll also be designing an engine. Um, I mean, I think Red Bull, they've ended the year quite well. I mean, obviously, they were... They clearly won in Abu Dhabi. They had no issues there, but that was probably with a slightly ailing Lewis Hamilton as well. He wasn't 100%. He said he wasn't. He didn't look 100% either. Would they have won anyway? Possibly. They definitely had the moments, but still two wins across the entire season for Verstappen, none for Albon, obviously. Compared to Hamilton's 11, it's a big, big gap to close. And over an entire season, I don't see them doing it next year. 2022, they could do, but they need the engine to be there as well, obviously. And I, f- I think Verstappen, I think as grateful as he will be to the Red Bull program, I think his dad will definitely steer him in the direction of whichever team is best. And maybe after Hamilton retires, that'll be Mercedes. Maybe he'll be able to get in there. But I don't think that the Mercedes hierarchy will want him. I think he's too much of a hothead. I think they'd much rather have, let's just say that Hamilton doesn't sign his contracts, they'd put. George Russell in the car alongside Valtteri Bottas next year and then going on from that as long as they keep winning they'll just keep those two there you know it's not just about winning it's about how they present themselves as well they don't want another Rosberg Hamilton where teammates are fighting they want people to get along that's why Bottas has stayed there so long probably as well because he doesn't cause drama he doesn't he just gets the, he just goes around and does his job doesn't make too much of a fuss so yeah, I think Verstappen, he's got a bright future in this sport, but he just needs to make the right decisions or he could do have a similar time to what people like Fernando Alonso have had, just going in the wrong place at the wrong time or upsetting the wrong people and ended up getting forced out of the sport. Yeah, he might end up in the US or he might end up uh, making his life in sports cars, but I, I don't think that'll be the case. I figure the way Max is young enough where like Kyle Bush, it probably will work out in his favor. Um, whether it's with Red Bull, whether it's with somebody else, it's all to be determined. 2022, I'm sure he's talking to all the teams right now in regards to the new rules with the cost cap, with the whole bit. And he's probably angling to do his move similar to what Lewis did with the late, great Nicky Lauda, uh, you know, with the total wolf and all to get to Mercedes. Um, That would probably be the thing that uh, gives him the upper hand over a Charles Leclerc over George Russell, um, Lando Norris, et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the young guns, the new age of Formula One where it's a little bit more uh, spread out, the talent and the, the ability. Uh, Max 
definitely is kind of like a step above, but when you consider George Russell, uh, Lando, uh, Charles Leclerc, even Alex Albon, there's a lot of talent right now. And then there's guys in Formula 2, guys that are moving up, but also guys in Formula 2 and Formula 3. You know, for one example, Logan Sargent, another example, Jayan Deruvula. Um, I use both of them because one's American, one's Indian, and I'm biased. But there's plenty of talent there uh, that could, depending on, of course, budgets and everything, really um, carry Formula One into a new um, era and uh, where uh, talent's kind of spread across multiple teams. Uh, I'm going to go and uh, transition here to this next piece will be his new teammate in 2021, Max Verstappen. For the first time since uh, having Daniel Ricciardo as his teammate, I think he's really going to have somebody who's going to make him work. Uh, in the world of Formula One doesn't usually involve the right people going to the right places. Uh, it doesn't, it usually isn't fair. Uh, there's a lot of politics that are involved. The fact that this happened is somewhat surprising. Um, but in other ways, it shouldn't be that surprising at all. Because Sergio Perez, 10 years ago, was considered a pay driver. And this year, he won his first Grand Prix, missed multiple Grand Prix, and finished fourth in the World Championship. And he has become one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, Sergio Perez will be the teammate to Max Verstappen, which will be the first non-Red Bull-affiliated driver in the second seat, uh, in a Red Bull proper seat since Mark Webber. And so that's six, seven years ago. Um, It's crazy to think, but when you consider what Red Bull does with their drivers and the kind of talent that they've had over the years, really isn't that shocking. Uh, George uh, Checo had an amazing year. It was crazy the way force, I mean, you know, Jordan, Midland, Force India, Racing Point, Aston Martin, Stroll F1, insert name here, uh, treated the guy that basically saved the team. Uh, He gets fired and takes off and probably performs better than he ever has, if that's possible. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on what Sergio Perez did in 2020? But also, I think more than that, what should we expect out of Chaco here to go and challenge Max Verstappen? Is he going to humble him? Is he going to go and treat him old country way like the Iron Sheik, go and break his back, make him mumble, and 
I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched it. I'm going to go and give you some more details on that. But go and tell us about uh, 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 Checo and what you figure uh, for next year, but also what he did this year. Well, I'm so happy for Sergio Perez. For a long time, I kind of resigned myself to him not being F1 next year, and I thought the sport was going to be a lot poorer for it because, yeah, he, he finished fourth in the World Championship, which is exactly what Alexander Albon was employed to do by Red Bull, fourth at an absolute minimum. And, yeah, even despite him missing two races, he managed to get fourth in the championship. And, yeah, it's just, it's just a guy who's so consistent, like... He can take the tyres longer than any other driver on the grid. And he's got incredible speed as well. And I'm so happy that he's going to be in what should be one of the top cars next year. Probably the second best car again. Um, I mean, this year has just been unbelievable. I mean, that that race in Sakir, he's always been good in Bahrain. 2014, we got a podium. Um, I think he had had some good performances there too in the past. And for him to get taken out at the... In the first lap, thinking, "Oh, well, that's it. You know, maybe he'll get, maybe he'll get some decent points." But to come through and win, yeah, I mean, to get a bit lucky with what happened to the Mercedes, but to win like he did, to win comfortably after that, just something else. The the guy is unbelievable. I think I'm so glad he's got a win as well. I think he was getting close to the record of the most podiums uh, without a win. I think he was challenging Heidfeld for that. He, most most races before getting his first win as well, 190. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't think the racing point was. I mean, started the season clear cut the best, the best best of the rest car, third best in the in the pecking order. But as time went on, it sort of slipped further and further back. So for him to to get it up there is unbelievable, and it, it almost got racing point to third in the constructors championship too. So I'm really happy to see him at Red Bull. It'll be a it'll be a massive challenge being up against Verstappen. Like you say, they make that car for one driver. They make it for Verstappen. Perez has got to go and drive that car, a car that's designed around Verstappen, and drive it well and beat the midfield. He's he's going to have pressure on him, but he's experienced. He's been in the sport ten years now. If anybody can do it, it's him. And it and if he doesn't do it, then well, I mean that kind of shows a problem with the team, doesn't it? You know, it's. It's difficult for us to say, oh, well, he should be doing better because Gasly's going in that car and he failed. Albon's going in that car. He fails. If if Perez then goes in that car and fails, it's it's a problem with the team. It's a problem with the pressure, the way it's set up. You can't blame it because Perez has always performed. Even, even at McLaren, if people give him shit for how he was at McLaren, I don't think he was too bad at McLaren. I think he did an okay job. Um, But yeah, so... I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him in the sport. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit sad for Albon. He didn't deserve to keep his seat, but also not being in the sport as well. I think it's harsh. He was kind of forced up too fast, just like Gasly was, and now he's a test driver. And it, it, I think it'd be quite difficult to see him in another car, to be honest. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with Albon. But Perez, I'm, I'm expecting him to get fourth or fifth in the championship next year to be challenging for podiums, especially when a uh, one of the Mercedes drops out or his teammate Verstappen drops out. Yeah. It, it, he's, he's a guy that when we think about ride, what people quote ride buyers and Perez had, you know, lower formula success and, but he had money too with Carlos Slim 
to help him get to Sauber and on multiple occasions, of course, also going to uh, racing. What is now racing point? What was Force India? And then he was given a shot at McLaren, but of course with Ron Dennis, you know, God bless him. He, he, he was able, people talk about how he managed certain drivers and certain situations. He didn't really manage people well, and he wasn't patient with uh, Sergio Perez and he ran him off after a year. He ran, you know, Kevin Magnuson off after a year. It's it, it's kind of a thing. And then now he's not even in control of McLaren anymore. Uh, you know, all great points by you, George, in regards to what Sergio has done in this sport. And he's been here 10 years. I think it's a very good contrast it, it, in a lot of ways. The way this lands is like 2010. It, it feels a lot like 2010 Red Bull right now, where you have the veteran driver who's been in Formula One for a few years, who was on, you know, uh, people is underrated or maybe didn't have, wasn't able to show his potential full force versus the guy that everyone knows is going to be the next big thing. And they're kind of building the team around them. It's got those kind of vibes, which in its own right makes it interesting because Sergio Perez doesn't take crap from anybody. And I like that. And he has gone through so much. And I, he's, I'm sure Max Verstappen's the kind of guy that he wants to go and kick him in the nuts and it, it, it's really something that I, I really want to see how that dynamic works out between those two guys. Uh, Josh, I'll throw to you. Sergio Perez had a really good year. Um, I'm no selling his year uh, this year, considering what he had to deal with, basically, uh, tracing point, not giving him the best of the best. Oh, wow. He has the same. Oh, he's. Oh, wow. Okay. There, there's the second thing I've learned today. Uh, we share the same uh, birthday, not birth date, but same birthday. Uh, God bless Checo. There's no, I guess I, there's a reason why I was rooting for Checo, but I, I liked him as a driver and as a person, but man, we, we share the same birthday, but uh, I didn't know that until just now. Um, Checo has a really tough uh, uh, challenge coming in 2021, but honestly, I believe he's going to be able to stand up to Max Verstappen because he's better. He's better suited to what you have to deal with in Formula One. I think he's better suited for what you need to uh, perform in this sport. And I mean, he's only 31. He's going to be 31 going into 2021. He's still young, got a lot of time. And if Red Bull really wants to win and wants to perform in a constructors championship, he's the kind of guy they need. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you learn something new every day in regards to what you were just saying about you and him sharing a birthday. But, uh, 
for Sergio Perez. I mean, the last couple of years, he's been able to kind of carry Racing Point. And you know, this year, he only scored two podiums and won one race, but he was able to score points in uh, every race that he was in except for two races. And, of course, he did miss two races in addition to that with the uh, coronavirus, but uh, you know, he's able to recover from that and have a pretty solid year. And, yeah, there were couple races where he finished uh, uh, a lap down to the, uh, the winner, but you know, he was still able to put in uh, solid results throughout the season. And and even with all that, able to finish uh, fourth in the championship standings. But I think next year uh, for him, he'll be able to uh, challenge Max Verstappen and, and um, push him to be a better driver. And I think they'll be better for it, uh, both of them. Um, I think for Perez, he's kind of been through it, like we've talked about, and he's had had his struggles um, throughout his career um, for you know, different reasons and um, just hasn't quite had the um, team around him uh, to be able to really have a successful mark on the, on the sport. But I think um, next year he's got an opportunity with Red Bull uh, to have a, a solid year and, and have uh, – chances to go out and win races and uh certainly i think he's gonna have that opportunity to do that and this could be very well yet his uh best chance in uh formula one to uh be a a very you know have a very good year with uh multiple wins uh hopefully and which i I think certainly is uh something on the table for him that uh could happen uh it's it's going to be interesting like if if he can um balance the team like uh, George talked about um, and kind of help be that um, I guess you know o- older veteran that uh, Verstappen can lean on for um, you know advice and experience um, throughout the year uh, which which uh, should be uh, good for that team but I I think you know next year for him you know, he can certainly finish uh, at least fourth in the the championship and maybe uh, could shock everybody and you know potentially have a uh, third place finish uh, if everything goes right for him so it'll be interesting to see um what he's able to do next year in that second car and if he doesn't do well um i don't think it's a reflection on him but more or less on the team um for whatever reason if if they can't do it then they're gonna have to take a serious look at themselves and and try to figure out um what they're doing wrong um and and if they if they can get to the point where they have both uh, cars that are are successful and and can uh, go out and um, get podiums fairly easily and uh, score points in the top half of the standings in in the each week in the um, season, then certainly that would be a, a successful year for Red Bull. And I think if they're able to do that, then um, then they'll all have a, a good year. But if not, then Obviously, they'll have to take a hard look and figure out what they're doing wrong. Yeah, it's Red Bull, I think, needs to evaluate everything. Uh, the fact that right now, as it stands, the top two teams have the top four drivers based on this year's standings. Um, it's it's all It's all to play for. In 2021, I think Honda made a lot of improvements, positive improvements with their power unit. 
which, you know, when people think about 21 and if they run the full season, Lewis is going to dominate. You would venture to believe and say that that'll happen. But you have Verstappen and you also have Sergio Perez at Red Bull. And I think that's going to push Mercedes to have to perform. And in that right, there's going to be a inner, there's going to be a battle within those drivers because Sergio Perez is a bulldog. And I think Valder, Valtteri Botas, when he's really angry and focused, he's a bulldog too. And you have two alpha guys in Lewis and Max. There's a lot of potential there, uh, at least at the front end of the grid, to really have some, you know, uh, not 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 just interesting races, but potential for even more. Uh, and I and I think Sergio Perez is that X factor because Sergio Perez is the first. I, I, I have to go back to it. First non Red Bull driver since Ma- Mark Webber. It plays a big role here. The fact they're going out of there because, you know, Daruvula is not ready. They they have they sent Yuki Sonoda over to Toro to um Alpha Tori. They they Gasly, they're not gonna move up because it'll prove they fucked up. You know, you have all these things going on. But I also think Sergio Perez is the kind of guy that really doesn't give a fuck. And I like that. And I really love it because he knows that Lance Stroll sucks dick, literally and figuratively. And he also knows that Max Verstappen likes balls. And and, it, and it's the thing that will make him the perfect foil to how Red Bull treats Max Verstappen. And it's the perfect thing that is going to push the team forward and it's also going to make it so that Mercedes has to push their their uh, team forward, which for me as a Lewis fan means that he's going to win more. So, hey, it all works for me. I mean, most people that watch Formula and hate it, whatever. I mean, fuck you. I said it earlier, like half an hour ago, about what I feel about how Formula One was. I I, I finally got the guy that wins all the time. I'm going to take it because after this... I don't think I'm going to be lucky enough to find the driver that's going to win all the time. I got lucky once. It's the same thing. It's the, I'll, I'll take it. It's the way that you win the lot. If people win the lottery, I won the lottery on formula one. I got Lewis Hamilton. I'll take it. Um, and he's only three weeks older than me. So that's a whole other thing in its own right. But, I think the next part of the discussion before we let uh, George go, I know that, um, you know, we're talking. uh, It's early in the morning over there, very early in the morning for him. Hopefully Rex uh, sleeping all right. But um, I'm going to throw to you, George, first in regards to the midfield. I'm going to open it up. Uh, You know, Daniel Ricciardo finished uh, fifth in world championship, had a great run with I had a very short run with Merce, with uh, Renault, uh, but he decided to go to 
McLaren. It's going to be the most interesting and best um, content in Formula One probably is going to come from McLaren between Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. Uh, they already kind of have a great uh, uh, friendship and uh, he likes to go and smack people in the balls like Carlos Sainz. Uh, I mean, what do you think? I, I, I guess in regards to the midfield, you know, thinking about McLaren, thinking about Alpine with Fred Alonso making a return. You talk about Tracing Point, which will be Aston Martin with now Sebastian Vettel and uh, Stroll. And then even uh, Ferrari, of course. Yeah, I am selling. I'm no selling Ferrari, but when you consider how bad they've been, they're the red toilets, as I said on your podcast. Um, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, uh, going over to f- with running Ferrari here in 21. What does the midfield look like to you? Is there somebody that's outside of that that could possibly move up? What do you look at? Uh, here in uh, 2021 for the midfield as we move into the new regulations? Well, I mean, you can argue that the midfield is the place where it could be. Again, all the close battles, just like this year. I mean, this year is where we saw most of the action um, with, with that group, you know, third, further constructors down to Ferrari and Sip, you can include them in that. But it was super tight between third and fifth. Um as a McLaren fan, I'm really excited for next year. You know, 2017, I remember, <laughs> I was absolutely dreading it. 2018 wasn't a good year. 2019, they've improved. 2020, they've improved as massively as well. Um, they're very much on an upward trend, and they'll have Mercedes engines for next year. And you could even argue they'll have a better driver potentially as well in Daniel Ricciardo over Carlos Sainz. I mean, I love Carlos Sainz, I really do. But Ricciardo this year, fifth in the world championship and that that Renault that he was driving you know he had no right to be up there he had no right to get the podiums that he did you look at how Ocon did and I think Ocon probably underperformed a bit but Ricardo absolutely outclassed Ocon Ricardo is doing amazingly well he's, he's a good enough driver to win the world championship in the right car in the right situation you know he wasn't outclassed by Max Verstappen at Red Bull you know politics and kind of cold, kind of itchy feet as well, you know, like that, that kind of forced him out of there. So I'm really looking forward to it with, with Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. They're definitely going to be a very entertaining pair to watch on and off the track. I think they have to be the favourites, McLaren for third in the Constructors' Championship. It's it's too much of a gap to close down to, to Red Bull for second. I, I feel like it's too much. The regulations are pretty much static. There's changes, but not massive changes. So... I think McLaren have got a very good chance of it, but it, it won't be easy. Um, I think their closest challenges could, could well be Ferrari. I mean, they have improved quite a bit since the start of last season, but there's still a ways to go. And their engine, obviously, that's the biggest problem. They need to improve the engine. Aero-wise, I think they improved quite a bit. I think they almost caught up with the upper midfield by the end of the season. But we'll have to see how that goes. I mean... They'll have two drivers that actually want to drive for him this this year coming up 2021. You know, Vettel just I like the guy, like you said, but he just he just kind of gave up and they gave up on him. But Leclerc, 
he, if they had two Charles Leclerc's in the Ferrari this season just gone, they would have got at least fifth in the Constructors' Championship. But they didn't. So we'll have to see how they get on. I mean, Carlos Sainz is going to be under pressure to, to perform. He's not really, People won't expect him to beat Charles Leclerc, but a bit like Perez at Red Bull, he's going to have to perform. He's going to have to do decently well. He's going to have to challenge him on occasion. Um, but we'll see what happens with him. I don't think Ferrari will back, back to winning ways next season. That's way too much to ask. I think it's a miracle that they got some of the podiums that they did um, in 2020. So we'll see how they go. I, th- I think a good season for them will be to get fourth in the constructors, but it'll be hard because they'll have to compete against Renault, who become Alpine, obviously. They've got Fernando Alonso. Alonso, a bit like Leclerc, a bit like Ricardo, and Verstappen and Hamilton. He's, he's in that top bracket if he's in the same pace that he was when he when he was in the sport last you know he can he can get a podium for the team he can drag that car up there and Renault were improving they were improving towards the end of last year so I'm hope you know they've got a chance but they have to keep it up and obviously they've <laughs> they've got to they've got to keep Alonso happy because if he's unhappy he's going to be complaining it's just going to ruin the dynamic of the team and he'll be out of there as fast as you can say, hasta luego. So we'll we'll see what happens with them. I think they'll probably be around the same as they were this year, just gone. A fifth would be decent for them, but they'll be hoping for higher. They'll be hoping for best of the rest. And Racing Point will become Aston Martin. They're the biggest unknown of them all. I mean, well, obviously, Lance Stroll, he's improved a lot this last year, but he's he's not he's not a top driver. He's not on the le- He's not a team leader. And Vettel, he's an unknown quantity in a way. I, I I personally think he will do better. I think he, I don't think he'll be on the same level he was at Red Bull. It just worked there. It just clicked. It just worked. But but at, at Aston Martin, I don't see him getting to that kind of level. I think he'll be better though. I think he'll still outperform Lance Stroll, which isn't saying much, I know. But you know, I think he'll I think he'll do well. They'll have the they'll have the Mercedes engine in the back of the Aston. But they won't be able to copy last year's Mercedes because of the rule changes, and also just from a brand's perspective as well. So I think I can honestly see them getting sixth in the constructors, but I still think they'll be getting the odd podium. I mean, what was it? Fourteen drivers from the twenty that started the season they got podiums. Anybody can get a podium in Formula One at the moment, it seems. But it's hard to see another team joining them up in that battle. The only ones that could do it probably are AlphaTauri, but. That's a big ask. You'll have Gasly challenging on occasion. Maybe Sonoda. But I wouldn't expect too much from him in his first year. He's still a young kid. Was, he's like 21, something like that. And as for the, the other guys, Williams, they're miles behind. I think they'll improve. I think they'll get points this year coming up. But Haas and Alfa Romeo, they need the engine to get better. They need the Ferrari engine to get a lot better. And even then, from a chassis point of view, it's a big ask for them to catch the midfield. So... I think I don't think we'll see too much change from from last year, but who knows? It's Formula One, you know, we constantly make predictions; and they end up being miles off. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's I, I think when you you think about the midfield, there's a whole lot to discuss and kind of really dig into. I, I wanted to leave it open. Because there's so much. I think that was where the most interesting part of the races were from 
from the first race to in general. Um, and with some of the changes, you consider Fernando Alonso's return, you consider Sebastian Vettel going from Ferrari to Aston Martin, uh, Carlos Sainz going from McLaren to Ferrari. It, it's There's a lot of intrigue. And even in a year where it's the the regulations are static, uh, I think that in its own right is its own separate battle, and that's where there's going to be a lot to be um, determined, and and energy should be focused. Josh, I'll throw to you. You know, thinking of Daniel Ricardo, uh, he's a he's a guy that for us as American motorsports people and fans he's a Dale Earnhardt fan he's a Dale Earnhardt guy that's why he's number three um he's a guy I think that could come to America and he'd be great running uh NASCAR IndyCar whatever uh but I look at him I look at Fernando Alonso um I'm gonna look at those three drivers I'm gonna throw it to you in terms of the two world champions and Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion. Uh, Sebastian Vell, four-time world champion. Of course, Daniel Ricciardo might be the best driver that doesn't have one that, you know, has has years. Um, obviously, you could go Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc as the best drivers that don't have a world championship in general. But... Um, what do you look for from those guys? What do you think of what, you know, in Vettel's season last year, also Ricardo, but what do you look at for those three guys going into 2021? Well, I'll start off with uh, Ricardo, and I think uh, the last couple of years with uh, Renault, um, at least in 2019, um, you know, it was, I would feel like he was more of a, afterthought i guess but this year um at the kind of at the end of the summer started um having a couple of podiums and uh, had a you know a couple had a podium at uh nurburgring and then imola and um some you know scored points at, at a lot of other races and you know he was definitely had some uh, performances on track that were pretty solid this year um so I think next year going into the McLaren and having the Mercedes power behind them uh, is going to be a, a good thing for him. And it's going to be an improvement over his last couple of years. Um, I'm not sure yet. Um, not ready to say if it'll be kind of how he performed like at uh, how he was at Red Bull, um, where he you know, was kind of a, a – somewhat consistent threat on the the grid and able to you know have good points finishes and and finishing uh you know third like he did in 2014 2016 and uh performances like that but uh i think there is the potential for uh them to actually win a race next year whether that's with uh him or with melinda norris and i think ricardo certainly has uh, the best chance to win a podium and or win a race and actually um, maybe fight for the championship or at least, you know, fight for uh, third place um, on the uh, championship standings um, with, uh, with McLaren next year. Uh, if, if they can do that, it would be certainly solid. And I think uh, with their, their uh, continued improvement, I think that's the next goal is to 
try to actually uh, get onto the uh, championship podium. And uh, I think it's certainly doable with uh, Ricardo. And certainly he's one of my favorite drivers on the grid. And uh, you bring up the American aspect. And that's, you know, one thing I respect about him um, and his uh, fandom of other uh, series. But I think also for a guy like Alonso, he's been away from the series for a couple of years now. And he went and did his uh, adventure here in America with the Indianapolis 500 and he's been in um, uh, WEC the last couple of years and uh, running uh, sports cars and 24 hours of Le Mans, 24 hours of Daytona. Um, so while he isn't rusty as, by any means as a driver, um, being away from Formula One from uh, a series that demands so much of you and demands uh, not only you to be your best uh, driving ability, but also the um, physical aspect as well. Um, yeah, he is able to uh, keep up and keep fit as he needs to, but just not being in the car for a few years um, certainly is going to be an interesting challenge. So, yeah, the the Renault uh, team is fairly solid, I feel like, and they they can um, get points finishes and, and finish um, in the – you know they can get a couple of podiums here and there and uh able to have uh, those type of races but i i think it's going to be kind of a year of reacclimation for uh, alonso he's not going to be able to uh really contend for um a whole lot of uh wins really or even um podiums and i think maybe for him next year getting maybe like one to two or three podiums probably what will end up happening and he'll have some uh, points races where he's able to you know score points throughout the year but i wouldn't look for him to really like do anything um significant um during the season uh, he's just gonna have to reacclimate himself into the car and get used to competing against uh all the uh different teams and drivers um that he's going to have to go up against. So it's going to be a, a tough challenge, but certainly for Alonso, I, I think um, it's going to be um, uh, one last uh, shot at him for getting a, a win in Formula One or even a, a title. And um, I think if if he's able to get some uh, podiums next or this year in 2021, then maybe um, in 2022, um, maybe he can be a, a one of the better midfield drivers or something like that. So we'll see. Um, and then as far as uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, he, I don't really expect much from him. Uh, I think the Racing Point team, or as they're going to be known next year, is the Austin Martin team. I think it's not going to be a, a lot that they're going to be able to do. Uh, I think this year with uh, the way that they were able to kind of copy the Mercedes cars, they were dubbed the pink Mercedes. I think they're not going to have the same chance that they did this year to finish uh, third in the constructors championship. Well, they finished in fourth, but um, they were uh, in third for majority of the year. And I, I don't think that they're going to have that chance again um, because they, they won't have to, or they won't be able to uh, upgrade as like, like they did last year. And if they're able to do that, or if they're able to uh, finish in, 
uh, the the points. It's it's going to be because it's going to be because of the uh, driving skill of uh, Vettel, and I just don't see it happening because uh, he's kind of mailed it in, and I think he's probably on the last stretch of his career, and uh, he'll have maybe a couple of races where he finishes in the points or on the podium. But I just don't expect him to be a contender of any kind, and if anything, maybe maybe he'll have some races where he contends in the midfield, but I just don't see him. Uh, really doing anything significant next year, uh, which is disappointing uh, as he's definitely made his mark in the sport um, and should be driving better than what he is and certainly maybe deserves more um, than what he has right now. But I think it's going to be kind of a a disappointing year for Vettel, just like it was uh, in 2020 with Ferrari. Yeah, it's... I think the midfield in general uh, is going to be, I mean, who knows how many races they're going to have in 2021 in formula one. There's things going on vaccines and the whole bit people who denied that existed or getting the vaccine first. So obviously um, that's a whole thing, but, the notion of being able to be vaccinated or go and be able to manage the virus and the pandemic and travel all over the world is something to be seen and midfield battle with the kind of drivers and the talent that we have, at least in that midfield is going to be interesting going from Australia. If we go there um on i mean the australian open got delayed so the australian open is something that happens over late january and early you know then they've had to delay it so curious to see if that'll happen for sure um george i want to ask you uh first before and we'll do this live right on air you're all right everything good you want to go and keep on going or you need to let you go I think it's probably best that you let me go, but it has been a pleasure. I have really, uh, really enjoyed coming back on. Just it's always a challenge at this late hour. Well, we will plan on. Um, we may do it. We'll do a probably do a weekend show then to go and do another F one um, a, a round table to have you on and some of the other guys um, before we. I'll let you go, uh, uh, promote, uh, where we can go and find you and, uh, all the other great people that, uh, work with you. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, uh, we, I run a, well, I help run a, uh, F1 podcast as well, a grid talk podcast. Uh, you can find it on the F1 Chronicle. You can also find it on my sports website as well, sportlightpro.com as you've uh, very helpfully plugged as well earlier in the show. Really do appreciate that. Um, it's not just Formula 1 on Spotlight as well. It's other, other sports as well, other motorsports. Um, things like football, or as you guys would call soccer. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, real variety of stuff on there. So, yeah, and on, on social media as well, on Facebook, on Twitter. So, like us, follow us on there. Um, but, yeah, it's been great. been great being on the show with you guys. Really do appreciate it. And, yeah. Definitely do a, another week, another weekend show. Would like uh, to go into more in depth about Formula One. Could talk about it all day and night, but sadly I must sleep. So yeah, <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes. 
Yeah, that's the thing when you're on IST like me and you're in different country five hours behind us, it probably is why we need to do this on a weekend so that all kind of balances out. Um, thanks, man. Uh, thanks for, I guess it's, you know, Merry Christmas to you and your family and your 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 significant other and your son and also for you thanks for having me on your show uh thanks for coming on our show uh giving josh and i our your time and knowledge um and hopefully going into 2021 uh we will continue this connection that uh, we're able to kind of uh, promote each other and, uh, you know, this friendship goes and goes further, not only just because of podcasting, but because of our passion for racing. Um, thanks, man. Um, grateful to you for so many reasons that um, I probably can't express in in words here or in writing but um thanks for coming on and um merry christmas to you and your family and be safe um even though um the guy that leads your country is a moron just like our country (laughs) (laughs) no thank you thank you merry christmas both of you as well and honestly words are too kind phil i really do appreciate it uh Great chatting with you as well, Josh. Um, enjoy the rest of the show. And, uh, yeah, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And we'll definitely do more collaborations in the future. I, I always enjoy it. I, honestly, if I, didn't, if I didn't enjoy coming on your show, I would not do it at 3 a.m. my time, put it that way. So uh, <laughs> it's always a laugh coming on. I can, can never get enough of the uh, the unfiltered content. So, Well, that's, that's the uh, name of the old blog. Uh, one of the collaborations I'm trying to make happen uh could end up happening it could have connection with that so thanks man uh sleep well uh give my best to rex i love him uh he's uh i i want to meet him in the worst way i i would i would end up wasting my money on gifts for him if i ever got to see him because of his eyes um and the fact that he is a messy eater and God bless him that he's a messy eater. You have to clean it up. I don't have to. Um, your 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 content on uh, Facebook Messenger showing your son uh, makes me happy. Uh, oh. I, I give you uh, credit to that. There's things the way the world is, but when I see him, you know, eating spaghetti and the way he eats spaghetti i mean it it just it brings me joy um so um thanks man um y'all you take care give my best to the missus sleep well we will collaborate sooner rather than later uh there's formula one content that uh you have to get out of me and i have to figure out a way to write it properly and you're the guy that can get it so um Thanks, man. Well, you do a fine job of that, and I'm really glad to hear that uh, Rex brings a smile to your day because he definitely does that to me every day. So I'm glad I'm glad he's doing that for other people too, especially in times like these. It's what people need. So, yeah. All right, brother. Be good. Take care. Will do. All the best. Yeah.
Bye. Thank you. Yep. See you, Josh. Thank you. Bye. All right, man. So uh, we'll uh, we'll go into the football portion of <laughs> the GSP before we uh, end tonight. And uh, you're on to the final. In um, now you've you've had a great week. I'll tell you, you've had a great week football wise. Not only are you on to the final of the fall brawl uh, fantasy league which at the end of the day, I should be playing you again, which at the end, if I lost to you, it's whatever. I made the final, I'll still make money, but that's beside the point. But you just got Trevor Lawrence too. So I'm just going to let you go on to both parts. You can go and give us your, how you somehow or another won in fantasy because Ben Roethlisberger has a pea shooter of an arm. Um, and I fell asleep during that Monday night football game because it was so bad, but give you that. And also, um, the fact that you're going to have Trevor Lawrence here in a few months. Yeah. So for, for me on fantasy, I was, um, Sunday, uh, it was looking like it was going to be, a, a victory at first. Uh, all my running backs played really well and scored a, a ton of points and I had uh, a 25 point game from um, DeAndre Swift I had uh, 29 points from Derrick Henry 22 from Jonathan Taylor it was looking good but then as the day kind of went on um, Ron Gronkowski uh, wasn't doing quite as well and uh, the Falcons and the well the the Bucks and the Falcons were playing and uh, Tom Brady was struggling early on, and then he was able to make a comeback. But uh, Gronk didn't really get a lot of targets and or a lot of receptions, and he had a low score. And that was kind of what was making me nervous the whole time because uh, it looked like it wasn't going to be enough. Um, and I think Wilson had uh, – let's see, he had – uh, Hunter Henry, who had a pretty good game on Thursday with uh, the, the Chargers and the Raiders, and across the board it was just not looking good. And I was saying, you know, you got to stop the count and uh, give me the points now, or you know, maybe we would have had to work something out where we throw out something uh, or some of you know some of his scores or whatever on his team. Oh, you mean like I'm, an orange aid kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pulling the political jokes right now, if yeah. you excuse me. <laughs> but you know, we had to. But anyway, so it's um, it it was getting pretty tight, and then uh, Monday night football came along and Ben Roethlisberger goes out and he's scoring negative points and he was missing the whole first half. Juju Smith-Schuster gets rocked on the uh, Bengals logo after dancing on it. Pre that was, that and, was awesome. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's not that good. And, and when outside of Antonio Brown being there, he's, he's kind of an average receiver and dancing on the logo. I don't like team obliterator. Uh, that was one of the only good things that Team Obliterator did when he was a Niner. People talk about how great he is. He's a dick, um, and he has—he probably likes guys, which is its own thing. But he went and did, he stood on the Dallas Star, and he got rocked by 
I forget what the guy's name. I think George Teague or some sort. He got rocked by some guy, and I'm like, that's what he deserves. And that's the same thing. That guy got the baits or whatever. He decleated him. I loved it. That's old school football. It's the way it is. I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a, a pretty big hit. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, oh, he got popped. But, I mean, the part of that, what that matters to me is that it was an incompletion for Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, in the second half, then Ben Roethlisberger started uh, completing passes. And then every completion, I was starting to really get nervous. And and uh, it was just uh, getting closer for Wilson to get up to my score. And then at one point, he surpassed me when Ben Roethlisberger threw a touchdown uh, to Deontay Johnson. And it was it was just a, a nail-biter throughout. And... Uh, every now and then, I'll get some points from Cam Hayward on defense, but obviously on fantasy, you don't really score that often defensively unless the player just flat out dominates the entire game. And you know, he was just getting some assisted tackles and solo tackles and uh, no, no sacks or anything like that, which uh, probably should have been the case given how Ryan Finley is playing. But they they started running the ball a whole lot in the second half for the Bengals. Uh, so that was the other part. It's just uh, not a whole lot of opportunities on defense to score. But Roethlisberger uh, just kept making completions, and and uh, uh, Wilson is just starting to eat in my lead. And then at the very end, the Steelers had a, a chance to tie the game again, and they went four straight incompletions. Uh, and I was pretty happy about that. But then Bengals still had to get a first down to uh, end the game, and they end up getting field goal. They kick it back to the Steelers, and then Steelers just gave up and decided to take knee. And then I guess Yahoo decides to give him a point for – well, they, they gave him, I think, like 0.15 of a point uh, for, for a kneel down because I guess they gained yards or whatever uh, by doing that. And that increased the score to uh, – 195.75 for him and then 195.85 for me and it was really close and it was a at the time at the end of the game it was 0.1 uh, margin right there which is pretty tight but then i guess after they do the uh, defensive uh, recalculations or whatever when they go and recount the stats on defense they i guess they gave me a couple more points to uh, pad my uh, lead there, but I, I was glad I was able to win. Now I'm in the championship for fantasy, uh, so it's going to be a tall order going against uh, my opponent, who's been the uh, league leader in scoring the whole year. And right now he's projected to get like 234 or something, and I'm projected to get like 210, 209 or whatever. So I'm going to have to um, make some adjustments on my roster. Probably get rid of Ron Gronkowski because he doesn't really score a lot, um, and try to get another tight end should have had Noah Fant cut him earlier in the season. And then he actually goes out and scored a, a touchdown last week. Um, uh, unexpectedly, I guess, cause the Broncos haven't had a really good quarterback situation, but we will see. Uh, going to have to just pull out all the effort and pull out all the stops. Um, probably gonna have to look every which way in the projections and, and uh, the rankings and see, uh, what the trends are and uh, um, do some really hardcore analysis and uh, just see what I can do because I'd, I'd really like to win and um going to have to, but it's just going to have to uh, be a, a tough battle and um, hopefully I can come through with it. If not, you know, I had had fun playing and certainly been a pretty entertaining season fantasy wise. 
and as for real football with the the Jaguars, I mean, I think you're gonna have to put Frank Gore in the Jaguars uh, pride of, or what well, they call it, the pride of the Jaguars. It's basically their Ring of Honor, Hall of Fame, whatever you want to call it. So we're, we're gonna have to give him a ring or whatever and in, induct him and and put his name on the on the stadium and say thank you for uh, catching the ball and getting first down so that the uh, Jets could win the game. Uh, against the Rams and uh, give the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence uh, because as long as the Jaguars keep losing, they'll get Trevor Lawrence um, and they've got to do everything that they can to get the number one pick. And if if they do that and get Trevor, then at least football wise, uh, maybe the Jaguars will actually be viable for once because Shad Khan likes to say that they need to be more viable in terms of local revenue. Well, um, they'll have that chance at least if they can play better football. So uh, at least if they get Trevor, it'll be a, a at least a, a decade of uh, guaranteed success. I think. Um, I talked to another friend who's a Jags fan and says that. Uh, he's not sure how well Trevor will do in Jacksonville. Well, um, I mean, we don't really know what will happen, but certainly I think he's going to um, be really successful and he's going to turn around uh, this team. And we haven't really had a quarterback um, that can actually do something uh, really ever. I mean, we had Mark Brunell uh, for a few years, but uh, once he had his knee injury in the late 90s, he wasn't really much. And uh, we've had to try to get other quarterbacks like uh, Byron Leftwich, uh, David Garrard, uh, Blaine Gabbert, Blake Bortles, uh, even Minshew, and Nick Foles, and it just hasn't worked out. Um, so if uh, Trevor Lawrence can uh, come to the Jaguars, which it looks like he will as long as they lose, um, then it's going to be a, a franchise quarterback for the team uh, for the first time in many years, and I look forward to seeing what will happen if that happens. Yeah, I mean, as a former Jets fan, it's kind of hilarious that the Jets figured out a way to win against a team that was leading the NFC West, which makes the fact that I'm about to go on a rant with the 49ers to end this show. But I'm happy for you, Josh, as a Jacksonville fan, that you're going to have a um, franchise quarterback. I'm hoping that this draft nets a franchise quarterback for the 49ers because they haven't had one theoretically since Steve Young. Um, You know, Jeff Garcia had uh, his time, and I'm a Jeff Garcia mark. People that want to shit on him can go fuck themselves, including Team Obliterator. Uh, Colin Kaepernick did what he had to do, but once uh, Jim Harbaugh got fired because Trent Baalke... Um, licked uh, Jed York and uh, Parag Marath's um, taint. Uh, he kept his job for some reason, even though Jim Harbaugh was the first coach that had made that kept the Niners relevant in a decade. Um, I'm I'm saying this before he went to Michigan and made Michigan irrelevant, but Jacksonville. I'm looking forward to see if Shad Khan's actually going to show up. As an owner, I know that Josh went off on a rant, which was awesome, on this show a few episodes ago. Uh, he has no excuses if they get Trevor Lawrence. And if if Dabo wanted to dabble, Dabo wants to dabble with um, 
pro football. Brett Venables isn't leaving. So you may be able to get a defensive coordinator too. There's a lot of young talent there. Guys like Jalen Ramsey and, and Gokwe are gone, but there's a lot of young talent in Jacksonville. There's a potential there where uh, they could put something together. The same way as Jacksonville with Tom Coughlin did it with Mark Brunel, Jimmy Smith, uh, Fred Keenan Taylor, McCardell. Keenan McCardell, everything. You know, they you had a great team there uh, in the mid to late 90s and uh, basically um, baptized Dan Marino and ended him. Uh, Jimmy John, you ended Dan Marino and Jimmy Johnson's career in one game, uh, which is iconic. And both of them are in all of fame. So, I mean, that'll be cool. Hey, you know, the way the NFL is and like other sports in a sense, I think now the way things have become, it's more kind of balanced across the board. Uh, Jacksonville having a, a, a guy that is going to be a franchise guy. They, you've, Jacksonville's never really had that. Um, Trevor Lawrence coming to Jacksonville fits. It's more a speed. I would have been concerned about him coming to uh, New York. Um, the Jets are a terrible franchise. I mean, Jacksonville isn't great either, but there's a little bit more hope because I think Shad Khan actually has a clue, unlike, um, uh, you know, the Johnson family. Uh, it kind of gives a hope for Sam Darnold. Because the fact is, even though Sam Darnold probably isn't elite, I think he's pretty good. And, you know, once you get rid of Adam Gase and you put a decent coach there, um, somebody who has a pulse, I think the Jets are not completely hopeless. Uh, they should have beat the Raiders. The Raiders are not a great team, though, but that's beside the point. There's a few games recently they should have won. Um, the Jets have hope. I mean, Frank Gore is like 150 years old. I'm a Frank Gore mark. He was drafted by the Niners. One of the only good draft picks that, uh, Trent Balky and also Scott McLugan had, um, in their 10 years combined was drafting Frank Gore in the third round after he had tore up both of the ACLs. He's like 800 years old. His son's running in the in college football right now, and one of his sons, of course, because you know. But um, Frank Gore went out there, uh, amongst other people, won that game against the Rams. Which I mean, the Niners are a shitty team this year, but they beat the Rams twice. So for all the people I want to talk about how great Sean McVay is, you know. And the Niners don't really even have a, have a team. Uh, so Jacksonville in line to get Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields. There's there's a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, you know, there's Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. BYU. Uh, 
the guy from North Dakota. Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. I mean, there's there's a lot of quarterback talent. You know, Mac Jones of Alabama. Uh, I mean, there there there's a lot of quarterback talent here. Uh, a lot of teams need help there, including the 49ers. But uh, for me, as a fantasy owner, my team finished off their season in an emphatic manner. Uh, if I had been able to play in the championship bracket like I should have, I would have knocked out the team that Josh is playing in uh, the final. But instead, Josh gets to go and play Joe in the final. CDs, TDs is Joe. Um, and they'll get to play for a good amount of money, good amount of my money. And uh, credit to Luke El Duque beating my ass in the semifinal, in the quarterfinal. Um, you know, and in basically taking the heart out of me there uh, and then shitting the bed against Joe, which isn't unexpected, but I would have beat everybody, which is the way my my team was earlier in the year. It kind of all speaks to what it was, uh, the way the season was early before Dak Prescott got destroyed and, you know, you even had uh, Joe Burrow got destroyed too, so... I can take my last game and I'll deal with the fact that I'm going to finish fifth in the league because we showed up when in, at the end of the day, we had our last game sold out, did what we had to do. Um, in my other league, I was able to beat uh, the team that was the number two team in the league most of the year. And I'm in the final uh, against the number four team because the number one team that most of the year lost. So um, going into the um, season results, I lost to the team that I'm going against in the one matchup I had against them. And at that point, when I lost that game, I was... Um, I was three and six at that point when I lost to the team that I'm going against in the final. I won four straight games to get into the playoff and I won the, the the first round matchup. I got a, I felt like I got a bad draw. I had, I won by 0.22 of a point. Um, so whatever, I'll take it. A 0.22 of a point in, uh, uh, last week, this week I won by 16 points and beat the number two team in the league. And now I'm going to have a chance to win the league for the, this league for the second time in my uh, history uh, in here uh, since uh, 2009. This league has kept the, their history over there. Um, 
stat. That's some name. Um, I won it back nine years ago, so it'll and I've run pretty well in recent years, second and third, four years in a row, and then a couple of years recently have not gone so well. But um, this year I'll have a chance to finish um, either first or second, hoping hoping for first. And also for Josh, I don't mind uh, uh, giving money to my buddy, my good friend and uh, co-host, if he's able to somehow or another fade Joe here in the final. Uh, it's going to be a tough out for sure. Uh, I'm going to finish here uh, right on the cusp of the two, whatever, two hour limit. I've kind of gone off on some tan- tangents and Josh, uh, you know, has allowed me to kind of go on, say what I want to say. Um, I mean, for you, Josh, uh, in terms of football this week, I guess before we go, I, 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 before I go off on my, my rant on the 49ers, um, I know we talked about what we were grateful for last week on the show and kind of give, you know, what you're grateful for this week as we go into Christmas and New Year, since we won't be on next, uh, we won't have an episode until after the New Year, uh, kind of give a synopsis of what, you know, these 39 episodes and what everything has gone on. Give us a little synopsis of what you think of, of what we've done and what we're going to do um, here in the future. Well, you know, I mean, um, in a way, you know, you have to be grateful for the opportunity to do this. And uh, it was uh, due to unfortunate cir- circumstances, but uh, the ability to come together and start collaborating on this project um, is uh, something I uh, have enjoyed. Uh, the first, you know, the first couple of episodes we talked about NASCAR, and you know, there was a really unique time where the first couple of weeks coming back from the lockdowns, they were doing uh, the weekend uh, or the weekly races uh, in the Cup Series, and and. You know, we had some double headers and whatnot, and that was uh, interesting to see. Uh, something we haven't really had before is midweek races, and and we were able to cover that. And we uh, had some times where we actually had the race on what I think is Truck Series or Xfinity, and we were able to uh, cover that uh, live as we were recording, and that was pretty fun. Uh, and then, you know, as the year progressed, we got to talk about the other series as uh, we were able to talk about IndyCar and we talked about Formula One as the, those series came back. And then later on, we were able to talk about IMSA and uh, some of the other sports car series. So it was um, a lot of a lot of things that we were able to talk about uh, throughout the year with uh, motorsports uh, since we started collaborating in May. Um I'm grateful for the opportunity to, you know, talk about iRacing with you and the experiences that I've had this year. Um, the opportunity um, for us to try to get into the Open Wheels 500, uh, which we, you know, we didn't do, and um, but still, it was. Um, if it weren't for 
um, this and the connection to Tanner. I mean, I probably would not have entered that and is something uh, for me as a sim racer is something to um, measure myself against and be able to uh, see uh, what I'm really made of as a sim racer and compete against some of the top sim racers and uh, teams as an independent is a tough challenge and well, hopefully we'll be able to come back next year and um, make the field or at least uh, have more competitive uh, lap times um, compared to what we had this year. Uh, the opportunity to try and, you know, do other races like the Freedom 100, um, which we didn't make, but uh, also, but um, they will able to try to get the name out and advertise on there. That was a good opportunity. Um you know, and being able to talk about fantasy football and, and be in the fantasy football league through this, uh, and that that was a, another good thing that I'm grateful for. And, um, you know, Cole Mason being able to uh, play in the championship uh, next week uh, or, well, this weekend. Um, so uh, a lot to be thankful for, um, a lot to be, you know, grateful for this year. Um, so hopefully next year, you know, we can continue to improve um, hopefully we, you know, we can figure out a, a video setup or something like that and, you know, maybe do some video. Um, you know, we talked about like doing YouTube or something like that. Maybe, maybe we can do YouTube live and have a, a live cast or something like that. Maybe get some super chats in and, you know, people can donate through that and, um, or interact through that and that would be interesting if maybe we can set that up and we'll have to get together sometime and try to figure some of that stuff out but i look forward to being able to um, continue this on next year and be able to cover um, more events um, and you know have more guests on and have more interesting people on and be able to just um, have good conversation about uh, the sport of motorsports and NASCAR, Formula One, IndyCar, and all that stuff. So I, I look forward to all of it. Yeah, and I'm I'm so appreciative to you, man, and for our friendship and what we're a, we've been able to do so far. Um, it's it's something that I hope that in over the next few weeks months days whatever days weeks months years that we're able to build this um you've been able to have your career and do whatever and this is a nice side hustle for me it's a passion project it's something that i should have been doing a long time ago and fundamentally i'm grateful that you've been able to join me on this journey uh and the fact that we're here doing this, having guests, being able to talk about the sport we one of the sports we love, two of the sports we love really, uh, motorsports and football, American football, uh, is something that I hope to grow and connect with more people. And I know that we're going to be able to expand and extend ourselves and our reach uh here as we go on into 2021 with more opportunities and more options as they go along and you're tech savvy and all the other things that you bring to the table will help for sure um i'm thankful to you 
for everything that you've been able to provide uh, in your analysis and your energy and your passion. And that's why we have this deal and it's why that we're going to continue it. Um, you know, not, not just friendship, but also a hunger to provide real content, not on, not this, not this milk toast, uh, you know, PC garbage that suits certain segments of society or content that is meant for the LCD, which um, a lot of society is, you know, and if you don't want to hear that, you're probably or that. And um, you can't talk about rednecks unless you are one, and they are one. And, you know, like that's, it's kind of like that. You know, it's, um, if you don't know that you are LCD, you probably are LCD. And um, if you think certain people are worthwhile, then probably is what it is. Uh, you want to live in your world, and that's fine. But don't go and judge other people. It is, I guess. I mean, I guess they'll say, "Well, you're judging me for being a jackass." I'm like, "Well, you are a jackass." It's not a judgment; it's an evaluation, or it's just calling it like you see it. So, it is what it is. I'm gonna go and finish this show with the 49er rant that um, I've saved for a couple of days. Because it's pissed me off. It's it's not just the fact that they lost to the Cowgirls. It's it's not the fact that their backup running back ran all over us and looked like Emmett Smith. Uh, that the backup quarterback that we have is basically as tall as I am, um, and turns the ball over a lot because the right side of our line's a waste and he himself can't figure out a way to read open receivers. It's, it's, it's a joke. You're seven minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. You blow the damn game. People want to say it's all about Patrick Mahomes. The fact is Patrick Mahomes is an ordinary or less than ordinary player for over 50 minutes of that football game in February. He won the MVP because he's the most popular player. He's the most well-known player in that game. He didn't have a great game for most of that game. He showed up late, conveniently. Um, But you think about it, uh, Kyle Shanahan had a chance to draft him. He also had a chance to draft Deshaun Watson, uh, where... If he drafted Deshaun Watson, we wouldn't be having the conversations we're having right now. Uh, He probably should have done that. Uh, He didn't want to get him killed. That's fine. Uh, You could have drafted him two overall, let Brian Hoyer go out there and lose every game, and put Deshaun Watson in, and we probably would have won a Super Bowl by now. Um, but that's just my opinion because I'm a fan of Deshaun Watson and I believed in his talent. And the fact that Houston is basically throwing it away is its own separate discussion. 
Uh, Kyle Shanahan's considered as an offensive genius, and he's made Jimmy G at his jawline uh, a lot of money. Uh, George Kittle, uh, my favorite player, has become one of the best tight ends in the league when he is on the field, which has become a struggle for him based on his play. But he's a great player. Uh, the Niners have two wide receivers, one of them, if he can stay on the field, but which is a common theme and obviously is. They draft guys that are likely to get hurt easy relative to others. I'm sure when you consider football in its context, it's the same way as me as a middle-aged guy uh, pulling muscles and doing all that and whatever, and I get it. But... It's an evaluation phase. It's a putting the best players that you can on the field because it's great to have great players as long as they're on the field. If they're sitting on the sidelines or in a press, they're in a in a uh, uh, hospitality suite or they're at home. It doesn't really matter that they're that that they're good. And when you consider the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are one of the worst teams in the league and you made Andy Dalton look like a elite player like he used to be in his prime, uh, you know, at TCU and even in his early years at Cincinnati, you had Pollard go off. You had the, the offense was able to do what they did. Of course, the defense sucks, and the Niners were in the game for most of it, even with all the turnovers. I mean, at some point, you have to be able to hit on first-round draft picks, because if you're not going to hit on first-round draft picks, how are you going to even compete? I mean, the one, the only first-round draft pick that they definitely have hit on is sitting at home right now because of an ACL. We don't know what Kinlaw is going to do. I'll, I'll, I'll give them. I'm going to give benefit of the doubt because Brandon Ayuk has shown up. Uh, the Ayuk Debo Samuel combination with a legitimate tall target, which Kyle Shanahan's averse to, or a slot guy, which they haven't found, even though he likes Trent Taylor. Um, would make any quarterback look good. Uh, hope that that uh, quarterback is either Matthew Stafford or I know it is going to be Deshaun Watson, but you know Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson. You go and draft a quarterback and develop a Mac Jones, whoever, um, somebody from from a, a school that's sem- that has a semblance of an offense. Not a spread look, but something that can work. I mean, I used to rant. I used to lose my mind back in these old podcast days because I had a lot more anger. Uh, I'm more, I'm, I'm a lot calmer these days, and maybe it sucks, but it's a shame, you know, when you, when you love a sport and you love a team as much as I've been a 49ers guy. And for them to be so irrelevant and useless, you got to hope 
that um, they get uh, whoever it is they get it they put themselves in position because Jacksonville's gonna have a shot uh, I think even the Jets whether they draft Justin Fields or not is gonna have a shot if they keep if they keep uh, Sam Darnold and they get a legitimate coaching staff in there and a legitimate GM, uh, they, they have a shot. I, the Niners need a quarterback. Amongst other things, the guys like Mike McGlinchey, who's become a turnstile, uh, the right side of their line sucks. Defensive line's a waste of time outside. I mean, Kinlaw's doing what he has to do, but he needs help. Eric Armstead has three and a half sacks. He got two of them on Sunday. The guy got paid a shit ton of money. They could have kept the Forrest Buckner and they would have gotten a better value of it. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. At some point, you have to actually be able to answer to some of the decisions you made and putting yourself in the position that now the Niners went from going and almost winning the Super Bowl to being dead last in their division and irrelevant, and they're probably going to lose on Saturday against the Arizona Cardinals, which is going to make me sick because they lose to the Cardinals ever since Shanahan. He loses the Cardinals even though the Cardinals are not good. Cardinals are okay. It's, it's fucking inexplicable. The Arizona Cardinals are not a fundamentally sound team. You should be able to beat them. But we're going to have C.J. Beathard out there. So that means I'm probably going to be drinking something really hard. Um, probably going to pass out before the end of the game because I can't watch C.J. Beathard play football because he sucks as much as George Kittle loves him. Uh, probably wasn't as big of a rant as I thought I was going to have. I just needed to get this off my chest because fundamentally it kills me that um, I'm going to have to wait another year to see if the Niners are going to be relevant on whether we're going to have a quarterback and all these things. So uh, I hope that the one fantasy comes through for me in and you know, personal bias aside, Joe's one of my uh, closest friends, but Josh has become one of my close friends uh, here recently. I don't really have, I, I, I want a good game. I want a competitive game that goes to Monday night. Uh, personally, I hope it, it it's competitive. You know, this year in uh, fall brawl has been one of the, probably the most competitive year in the history of the league and it's been going for 15 plus years. So, uh, it, it's something, you know, around 50, yeah, I'd say 15 plus, it's like 15 years. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping for a good game. Uh, I'm out of it. I am going to finish fifth either way, but I hope for a good competitive game. Uh, money is going to be won by three of the four players that are in the uh, final and uh, third place game. And um, I owe Josh money anyway, but um, at the end of the day, I might as well owe Josh the winner's check along with 
uh, one of his uh, weekly wins as well. Um, before we go, Josh, uh, let us know where he can follow you. Yeah, uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JP Huffline. Uh, got the Twitch uh, streams for iRacing at twitch.tv slash usailor2. Kind of on a break right now, um, away away from my current residence at my uh, family's house, visiting for holidays. Uh, but once uh, all that passed through, um, you know, once I come back from that, I'll be able to do some iRacing streams. Um, and we'll try to have that up and uh, let you know when that happens. Um, that's uh, where you can follow me at for uh, content. Yeah, and uh, Josh, uh, the the more colorful Josh uh, is definitely when he's uh, uh, on iRacing. I'm hoping to get that uh, version of Josh here uh, on the uh, GSP as we go along in this deal. But definitely entertaining watch. Uh, his, uh, he's definitely got the skill and the talent and the uh, focus and ability that I definitely don't have probably because of my undiagnosed ADD to go and uh, manage driving on uh, the Sims so follow Josh for sure and especially on Twitch for his iRacing streams uh, for me I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. I'm on Facebook.com slash Philip G. Matthew, uh, PhilipGMatthew.com on uh, WordPress, where you can go and also find our podcast along with Podbean.com, where we uh, distribute the show. Um, We're on where most major uh, podcasts are, whether it's... um, uh, whatever, uh, you know, we were, I'm blanking right now, of course, that's, that tells you how tired I am, but we, we're on, uh, Pandora, we're on, um, Amazon Music, we're on, um, anywhere, basically anywhere you can go and find, uh, podcasts that matters, we're there. And you can put in the at grip strip, you can put the grip strip podcast. Uh, we're at grip strip pod on Twitter. Got to go and make that thing a little more active. And uh, you can follow George, of course, George Housen, uh Grid Talk podcast, F1 Grid Talk. Uh, they're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Insta, the whole bit. Uh, sportlight.com the website for writing content where you could go and read uh, writing and stuff by me since uh, I have a degree in all of that and I haven't been able to utilize it so um, I'm able to utilize it there um, we thank you for listening to Gripshire Podcast uh, may you have uh, may you and yours have a uh, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. We will be back for episode 40 um, after the new year. Uh, probably, uh, yeah, the first week of January after I'm done with my uh, bowling leagues. And I'll uh, probably be pretty sore, so I'll need a couple of beers. And we'll talk about 
whatever is going on in motorsport. We might have an announcement of one of the rides. Uh, Fast Pasta might be in a cup ride by that time. So we will be able to talk about that and anything else that's going on here in uh, motorsport on the Gripster Podcast. We thank you for listening. Uh, please uh, take care of one another, social distance, mirror masks, stay safe. Um, God bless and uh, goodbye.